0: There are hundreds of amazing people in the TEDx universe, and we talk to a lot of them. This is your first time to the show. Welcome. We produce Hacking the Red Circle every week. You'll want to subscribe so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. Now, on with the show. Hey, everybody. Uh, welcome back to the show. I have teleported myself to another part of the planet. Uh, again, one of the best parts of, of this show is the geography lesson. So how many of you know where Christchurch is? Uh, I'll tell you, it's in New Zealand. And I'd love you to meet uh, our guest this week, Kyla Colbin, who is the licensee, co-organizer, curator of TEDx Christchurch, but also the licensee of TEDx Scott Base. Kyla, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks, Mark. Great to be here.
0: Oh, this is great. I mean, I love the fact that, I mean, isn't it technology great that we can talk around the world and it isn't great that we have friends, we have a tribe that extends all around the world and we feel so close to one another?
1: It's one of the best things about doing TEDx and my team says that consistently as well, this whole feeling of connection to people all over the world. Right. its really sp-
0: Right, right. Yeah. And the, this show has given me this, uh, really wonderful excuse to, to talk to people that, uh, in cities I've never heard of before. Uh, I have heard of Christchurch. I, I spent a Good. lot, of, I spent <laughs> a lot of time in Wellington, uh, back in the day. And, uh, so that was great. And we got to talk to Trent, uh, who was on your team. He told us how you called and said, Hey, how would you like to, help me do a thing in, in Antarctica. So tell me, I want to tell me how that idea to go do a TEDx in Antarctica came about. Now I'm going to get to all the rest of it, but I just want to hear the origin story there.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, the simple story is that I want an excuse to go to Antarctica.
0: <laughs> oh, that, that's good um, enough.
1: <laughs> the reality ended up being that I didn't go, that we had um, four other team members who went. But um, no, actually what happened was in 2014, uh, a gentleman by the name of Peter Beggs was a speaker on our TEDx Christchurch stage. Yep. Um, he's the chief executive of Antarctica, New Zealand. Uh, and his talk uh, and working with him to develop his talk really opened up for me a profound appreciation, not only for Antarctica itself as mm-hmm. a continent, which is it's an, amazing sure, place. Sure. an amazing place. Everybody knows it's an amazing place but also for the caliber of work being done there by the New Zealand team and by all the international scientists who work down there. And so it really awoke in me kind of an appetite to, number one, be more involved with them, but number two, share their stories more widely uh, than the single talk that we had from Peter. And so um, he and I kind of got together and... Uh, at that time, they were preparing for the 60th anniversary of New Zealand's oh, presence. That's right. That's right.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And so uh, we sort of hatched this plan to go. What better way to celebrate 60 years than by sharing Antarctic ideas worth spreading with the world? And and that's how that came about.
0: I I love that. And how? So that was that a year before the event or two years before the event?
1: It was at least two years before right. the event. This, right. It was in discussion. We were in discussion for a long time. Um, so, you know, the, the place that we went to, Scott Base, it's not a tourist destination. You can't, you know, decide one week you're going to go and go the following week. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, you know, everybody to get there, you need um, government approval. And, you know, there's a, there, It was it's quite a rigorous process to get down there. Um, and so we had to, one of the things that I kind of joked about with my team is, you know, we've married the, we've, the incredible logistical hurdles of working in Antarctica with the, um, wonderful and beloved bureaucracy that is Ted. <laughs> and so we worked very closely with the Ted licensing team. Will Davis was tremendous, uh, in supporting us navigate to navigate that, um, and very closely with the New Zealand Antarctic program and the New Zealand government to make it all possible
0: so uh, i'm I'm guessing knowing that uh knowing will that they're they're not strict guide they're they're like guidelines right they're not rule they're guidelines um,
1: they're but- rules to me, Mark. I follow them through the letter
0: <laughs> we call it compliance around here,
1: especially on air. Yes. <laughs>
0: I love that will I hope you're listening. Um the so the rule then the one rule that I the most obvious one is that you have to live in the city where you yeah. are, right? And so that was the first dispensation you had to get.
1: Right. And so, yeah. So Will and I had a big conversation about that. And he said, you know, isn't there someone who lives there who could do this? Uh, and I said, well, no, no, nobody lives there. You know, it's everybody's transitory. It's just a question of how transitory you are. Um, and so, uh, you know, I don't, uh, I don't like to talk about the the dispensation we got from them in this regard, because I fully understand from the licensing team's perspective, every time they give a dispensation, they're kind of opening the door for a thousand people to call them and say, Hey, you did it for these guys. So, so, uh, so this was definitely a very, very particular situation. Um, but because, no, you know, it's like if, if we were to do a, a TEDx International Space Station, like, you know, nobody lives there. You can only have people who are visiting. So um, you kind of have to make do with what you've got.
0: You, well, you know, you've listened to the show that at the end of the show, I ask where people want to go to a TEDx and someone said ISS. And yeah. we had Was the… Uh, I'm not sure. I'll have to go look because we've done almost 50 shows now. Uh, but we had the, the big eclipse, the total um, lunar eclipse, uh, this or solar eclipse, um, just a couple days ago. And that evening, we were at a storytelling retreat. And we were in a place where there was no light pollution back behind the hills of Santa Barbara. And we were looking up at the sky, marveling at how clear everything was. And the guy says, oh, there's ISS. I was like, oh my god! It's like I l- truly had never seen it, so it was it was yeah. super cool. So, it's yes. You
1: see how fast it goes across the sky, right?
0: Right? Yeah, yeah. You, you should that was... spend
1: more time. Come back to New Zealand and spend more time here. You can see it all the time.
0: I'm, I'm on the next plane. I can't yes! wait. So, you've been doing um, TEDx since 2010. So that was, you know, pretty much the first year. Uh, 2009. There were a few, but tell me. How did you hear about it? And how did you think, well, this is exactly what I've got to do?
1: Well, so in 2009, I set a goal to speak at TED. And when I set that goal, um, my friend Helena said to me, what are you going to speak about? And I said, I have no idea. Sure. <laughs> and then sure. I said, but I do know that the people who speak at TED share two things. Uh, they all have two things in common. Um, one is that they are world-class public speakers and two is that they're making the world a better place. Okay. And so I don't know what I'm going to speak about, but from now on I'm going to do, I'm going to take advantage of every opportunity I can get to become a better public speaker or to make the world a better place or both. (laughs) And so Helena says, no problem. I'll make you a map. And so she emails me and she goes, here's your map. And it was a single PowerPoint slide What? on the left-hand corner of the slide. It had Kyla 2009. On the top right-hand corner of the slide, it had the TED logo. And then it had two squiggly arrows coming off of my name, sort of vaguely pointing up and to the right, but not exactly at the logo. And the whole rest of the slide was blank. And she said, here's here's your map. Here's how you're going to get there. And I said, awesome. So I printed it out and I put it on the wall. And then every opportunity I could get to become a better public speaker or to make the world a better place, I would write down what I had done. And draw a circle around it, and draw a new little arrow, kind of vaguely pointing the, up towards the TED logo. Oh my and gosh! And so, shortly after that was when the TEDx program got created, and right. the first in New Zealand was uh, TEDx Auckland. It was run by a man named Richard Hollingham, and that was in two thousand nine. And um, and a few months prior to that, uh, I had gotten the opportunity to train with Al Gore to deliver the Inconvenient Truth presentation. This what? was part of. Part of becoming a better public speaker and part of making the world a better place. Tick and tick. <laughs> so that so, was the
0: talk he gave in Monterey.
1: No. So this is, this is part of his whole Climate Project Ambassador program. Oh, so I it. did a training with him in Melbourne that was, it was a th- amazing. It was a three-day training. The first day was all deep dive with all the scientists. The second day was a full day with Vice President Gore. And the third day was um, rigorous training in terms of public speaking as well as in engaging with the media. Oh, uh, and how to be persuasive on right, topics where right. people might come with different perspectives. So, um, so because of that experience, I was privileged to be able to speak at the very first TEDx in New Zealand, which was the, the that TEDx Auckland event. I gave a three minute talk on okay, climate change. Awesome, awesome! <laughs> All the necessary information, uh, and then uh, as part of looking at that map and discussing with my team at the time, I, you know, it was obvious that we had to do our own TEDx. And sure, so of course. Uh, we created the first TEDx Christchurch for the following year.
0: The community from, I mean, I've talked to Wellington. I've talked to Queenstown. Uh, I'm talking to you. I want to talk to Auckland. I, I love it when I talk to a country and there's three, four, 40 TEDx's. There's a sense, there's a, a, a national pride, right? That you have not only there's this pride of being a TEDx organizer that we know that, um, but there's something also about your country. Tell me about that. What's that like?
1: Um, so New Zealand is it's a small country and it's a very close knit country, right? We all uh, know each other. Um, there is nothing to stop people kind of visiting city to city. You can readily go from Christchurch to Auckland for the day. And I was there yesterday just for the day and and came back in the afternoon. Um, so it's a very special place in that regard because the fact that you're in a different city, uh, you know, I'm from New York originally and, um, spent some time in Colorado and, uh, you know, I might as well, if I live on the other side of New York city from someone, it's the same as me living in Christchurch and someone living in Wellington when you're here. Right, mm-hmm. like I can just as easily go visit somebody, so that the sort of tyranny of distance in New Zealand doesn't exist in my experience to the same degree that it does in other countries, and so as a result, we're much more close knit and I think much more collaborative uh, than you might find if uh, you know the city, the other city that we're talking about, were a thousand miles away and we didn't, you know, totally different community and nobody shared information across the across those borders. So, um, so it's a really special place, and we've been super privileged with the people who have become licensees here that they've all been delightful and collaborative and all um coming in maori there's a great world word uh that is ko papa which is the sort of um heart or mission or vibe or values of the you know the the essence of what you're trying to do and all of the tedx organizers in new zealand come with this ko papa of wanting to to share great ideas uh, wanting to uh be of service to the community and wanting to be a part of this movement that's bigger than us
0: i I love that and i you dropped that you were New York and then Colorado. What got you on the other side of the planet? It, other than just the natural beauty, I mean, I'm going to post some pictures of just, I, I am in love with New Zealand. And it is just so, the natural beauty, especially the South Island, is is so amazing. Uh, not to knock the North Island at all, but what is it, was it work that got you there?
1: It was a boy. A oh, boy,
0: okay. <laughs>
1: Which which is pretty much New Zealand's primary immigration strategy. As far as I can tell, like they send their best and brightest overseas and they're like, don't come back until you have a warm body with you. Um, <laughs> so no, it's, um, uh, I came to New Zealand with my now ex-husband who is a wonderful man, um, uh, for, to whom I will be forever grateful to, for introducing for me to this sure. great country. Um, and, and who is still a dear friend of mine. And, um, uh, and now I am a dual citizen, and this is oh. home, and I have no uh, plans to leave, and and I really love it here. What what is it
0: that you go out of your way to do to make your TEDx unique? And, you know, we we stay, and and I we've talked about Scott Base. I mean, everything about that was unique. But I want to focus on Christchurch. The what what is because the the format of TEDx is you know very well defined. Yet, there is so much room for us to add the local color, the local flavor, um, and everybody answers that question different, so I'm really curious what it is that that you have done and with your team over the years.
1: uh we uh, We've been um, lucky and in some ways unlucky, but we've had so many opportunities to uh, make our event not only unique but also super appropriate and relevant to the context that we're operating in. So uh, you're probably aware that in 2011, uh, after our first TEDx event that we did in 2010, uh, we had a major earthquake that uh, destroyed much of our city. Over 70% of the footprint of our central city had to be demolished, which is, if you imagine like Manhattan, it's like wiping out Manhattan from like 80th or 90th down, all the way down. Oh my gosh. So it was a tremendous, tremendous um, event. And what we did was we were able to leverage the TEDx platform to inform the conversation about what we wanted the future of the city to look oh, like and what kind of yeah. a city we wanted to have. So we ran a TEDx event three months almost to the day after that major earthquake that was focused specifically on the future of the city and it encompassed, you know, according to TEDx rules and it was, it was multidisciplinary It encompassed art it encompassed architecture, science, uh, urban design, all of that. Uh, but we brought in people like Art Agnos who had been the, uh, mayor of San Francisco during the Loma Prieta earthquake in 1989. Right. Uh, we brought in Cameron Sinclair, the founder of architect humanity, (laughs) Ted prize winner. Um, And uh, we were able to bring these people in and create opportunities for conversations, not only the talks that they gave from the stage, but also the conversations that Art had with our mayor. And he was able to come in and say, look, I have 20 years of hindsight on this. Here's what we did well in the aftermath. Here's what, here are the lessons that we've learned. And he could share the benefit of that uh, historical experience. Uh, We also brought in Uh, And we're bringing him back this year, actually, a guy named Kyle Johnson. I don't know if you ever met Kyle. He was at TED Active a couple times. He's an artist who he does all kinds of art, but he is very well known for being a cardboard artist. He makes incredibly detailed uh, cameras and printing presses and spaceships and yachts and whatever out of cardboard. And um, and we brought him down and we did a project with him where we had this huge custom table built It was about six feet. Uh, Six feet by six feet. And uh, he painted a stylized map of the city on it. And he gave a talk at our event. And then we did a two day workshop open to the general public. Anybody could come didn't have to have been at our at our event, where he had all his materials and all his techniques. And anyone could build buildings or trees or whatever they wanted and co-create a fantasy interpretation of the city. Wow. And so this was at a time where pretty much everything was shut down and it was all rubble or deconstruction or, you know, kind of depressing and rules and argu- government bureaucracy and all sorts of like everything was restricted and, and tight and felt impossible. And here we had this opportunity where everything was possible. You could build whatever you want. People had spaceships landing in the middle of oh. our main,
0: you know, people, <laughs>
1: People would build, uh, somebody built an almost exact replica of our then police station, which was a tall building that was on a lean. And so they built the cardboard version on a lean. And then someone else built a trebuchet, like a a uh, a catapult aiming at it. You know, and you could do whatever you wanted. People built a railway system throughout this city. It was absolutely incredible. We had over a thousand people come through, including the mayor. We had, you know, company executives. We had little kids. People got so into their creations. And that was on display for a good two years in uh, the building of the press, which is our major newspaper in our city council building. Um, And it was just a wonderful expression of Creativity from the, the citizens of Christchurch.
0: It's such a TED thing to do. Will you send links to pictures? I'd love to have some pictures of that uh, to put in. And I'm, I'm thinking here in Santa Barbara in 1925, we lost a third of the city. And the city elders all came together and said, what do we want to be? We have this unique opportunity. Nature has given us a unique opportunity to not look like a Midwestern city, which it did at the time. And it is now one of the, you know, beautiful jewels, uh, of California for sure. Uh, I'm, I'm curious. I'm just imagining. That 90 days from the earthquake till your event, and that was your second year, here you're like, oh my gosh. So you certainly had the the decision, you know, do we stay or do we go? I mean, no one would have faulted you had you said, hey, let's just push it a year. What was that conversation like with the core team?
1: Well, (laughs) So it was even crazier than you think. So first of all, when the quake hit, I wasn't in Christchurch. I was in Florida. And I was on my way to TED Active. And at TED Active, um, they had given me a spot in the TED U program. So I had a three-minute speaking slot sure. that I had prepared to talk for uh, and auditioned with and, and been accepted for. And uh, I arrived in California with... Uh, knowing that our, our city was in pieces and our people were struggling and oh from afar to help people out by, you know, we made our home available to people who, who had been made homeless. We had uh, we were topping up people's uh, phones so that they could keep working and, you know, whatever minimal, minimal thing we could do. Uh, to, to be supported from afar. And so one of the things that happened was that Kelly, uh, Stetzel allowed me to change the topic of my talk at the last minute to talk instead about what had just happened in Christchurch and what my hopes city. So I spoke at at Ted active, uh, in 2011 and I shared, uh, the devastation that we had just experienced. And I also shared my belief that, uh, the rubble of our city might also contain its promise and that we have this opportunity to reimagine the city and that it is now up to us to, to engage in that reimagining. Uh, and so as a result of that talk, uh, you know, a lot of people came up to me afterwards and they were like, uh, how can I help? <laughs> I was like, ah, I don't know. I'm not in charge. You know, I'm not a, I'm not a politician. I'm not right, a, right. a city counselor. I'm not an architect. I'm not, like, I'm none of those things. I'm not in charge of anything. And I, so, so I spent a lot of time thinking about, okay, what is the contribution that I can make in this area? And the contribution that I can make is, uh, the, this offering is a, is a TEDx that is specifically focused on the future of the city. So I got back to Christchurch on the 7th of March and, uh, met up with our core team and said, we want to do this. And, and they all agreed immediately. We all want to do this. It all came together super, super fast. And in the meantime, so the earthquake was the 22nd of February and our event was the 21st of May. In the beginning of April, I got notified that a startup that I was a founder shareholder of and chief marketing officer of at that time had been accepted to a Techstars venture accelerator program in Cambridge, England, and that I had to be on a plane on the 29th of April to London to begin this program. And so I did that. And this is, this is the only reason that I know that the 29th of April, 2011 was the day that Wills and Kate got married because I landed in London on that day. And, uh, and, and I got to, to Cambridge and we, I would spend, you know, eight in the morning until six at night, uh, doing this accelerator program. And then, uh, I'd grab a bite to eat and maybe a nap or something. And then, uh, 8 PM until two in the morning or so was my kind of New Zealand shift working on the TEDx. And we had a, an absolutely incredible team in New Zealand who who turned themselves inside out to pull it together. Uh, a guy named Raph Manji, Aurélie Viotto, a lady from France who had co- shown up, an angel from France who had shown up to pitch in and ended up just doing You know how it is when you oh, pull of the course. team together. Yep, yep. Everyone just shows up with their whole selves. Uh, it was really just incredible. And, um, and I came back. I came back to New Zealand two days before the event. Um, attended the VIP function. Attended the event, and the next day got back on a plane, back to London. And um, yeah, we, we we made our offering, and uh, and I think it was I think it was a benefit to the people of Christchurch, which is why we wanted to do it.
0: Right now, I'm going to crown that the most the coolest. Uh, answer to the question of what makes your TEDx unique. And you also got to put another dot on your map, your 2000, uh, map for Kyla, uh, cause you got to speak, uh, you've done a couple. Now, how many TED talks have you done? You've done those two. You did the, um, the, the Al Gore one. You did the, uh, TED Active, uh, TED U talk. Got it. Um, what's, you've had a lot of, uh, Having an earthquake is the biggest surprise. But what's been the biggest surprise for you in in running this? And now I know that you're a marketing person, so there's certain things, certain expectations you have. What's been the biggest surprise, TEDx Christchurch?
1: Um, I you know I think the biggest surprise has been how sort of stupidly gratifying it is. Like. <laughs> It's honestly because if you look at it from the outside any business analyst would tell you not to do it any advisor would tell you not to do it right it does not stack up the amount of time you have to put in the fact that it's your money on the line if if everything goes pear shaped like all of that it just it doesn't it doesn't make sense logically um and yet it makes total total sense when You're in the midst of it. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like, I, I, I can't quantify the value that I've gotten, and and how much this work has been such a gift to me. And you know, that I don't do it for that, but but it's not it's not entirely altruistic, right? That it's such a two way street. The more we do, the greater contribution we can have, the more gratifying it is for me, and the more special the whole thing becomes. So, um, so I think that's. That's kind of a surprise because if you had told me in the beginning, um, you know, how many hours it would take to put one on, for example, <laughs> uh, I might've gone. That doesn't, that doesn't sound like a great idea.
0: Right. My, mm. I, after our first year and we spent four months wall to wall on it, almost lost our business. Uh, and my mother-in-law, you know, I, I'll remember in the, I never forget in the car, uh, on the phone with her, she's saying, so why, why are you doing this? Like really, honest, sincere. Why are you doing this? It's, she said. There's literally nothing in it for you because we don't get paid, and and you know there's no selling, and and we extend that throughout the whole vibe of of our deal. There's no selling, and I said it's the. A, I owe so much back to Ted. Uh, my business was the result of a Ted project in 2003 we did for Chris. Uh, I met my wife through that project. Um, so my give back to Ted is is epic, right, in the karmic debt that I've got, right? But I said it's, it's the first time I've done community service where it was pure altruism. Like there is nothing other than the joy of doing it and provide – now it's evolved to – our mission is to provide a platform for these ideas to get launched out into the universe. That's what we live for. That's our mission, and we, we get that. And, it's, and, yes, it's a lot of work, and hopefully we're getting smarter about delegating. And I have to say this show has helped me a lot because I've learned so much from all of you. Uh, who have, have helped, you know, like with the hacks and the secrets and the the tips. And I'm the first one to implement all of those because I actually uh, record the shows and they go up about eight weeks later. So I'm, I have a little bit of a head start on people. <laughs> so um, as a listener, you know, I love to talk about dragons. And now with Game of Thrones this year, I'm really interested in dragons. Um, what, what's the biggest dragon for Christchurch?
1: Uh, so it's interesting. Um, so this show is going to go up by the time this show goes up, this information will be public. Um, as I'm telling it to you, it's not yet public. Okay. So, uh, we have grown significantly since we first started, uh, our first event, you know, including all the speakers, sponsors and volunteers, it was maybe 125 people or so. Um, and our event for the past two years has been 1,250 people. So um so we've grown by a factor of 10. Yeah. We've grown all of the ancillary production by a similar factor. So uh so the event now has uh, a village associated with it. Oh. It's got uh, bookstores, it's got tech demos, it's got baristas all day long, it's got uh, amazing goodie bags. We we put on a very high production value event. Um and If you were, again, if you were to look at it from the outside and go, well, they started with this, you know, 100 and some people event, and then they went to 700 people for the earthquake ones. (coughs) And then they went from there to the Isaac Theater Royal, which is the most beautiful theater we have, which is 1,250 people. Then where are they going to go next? Well, they'd have to go to the arena and do a, you know, level two kind of multi-day event and, you know, keep making it bigger and bigger and bigger and better. And we uh, took a hard look at it this year and said, actually, that would be a dragon for us. That would be a dangerous oh, got way it. to go. And our job is not to do what is obvious. Our job is to make people think. And so this year, we're actually stripping it right back. We're doing a much more intimate event. Um, we're hosting it at an incredible venue, which is a beautiful theater. That's uh, it's theater in the half round with steeply raked seats. So it. It feels I, almost I like a, that. like the actors studio or like a studio sessions or an mm-hmm. unplugged uh, session or something like that. And, uh, and it's a half day event and there's no village and we're really just focusing on making sure that the, it's the pure experience of the ideas worth spreading. How, how, so, many, pe- how many people? 240.
0: So I, um, I feel you on that. The dragon is scale, right? Yeah. And And you want – like when we were first – when we rebooted the franchise here, it was like we 300 and the next logical theater is 600. The next logical theater is 1,200. The next logical theater is 2,000. And we did the three and then we went and looked at the six and I was like, we're going to lose the vibe, right? We're going to lose that. Now, that's not anything against the large events because people have totally figured out how to do it. But there's there's something about that. So this 240 people. When is that event?
1: That is the 28th of October.
0: Right. So that's And what's the theme?
1: Um. So there is no theme. <laughs> oh. This, you know, we always, wow. So we've, we've had a theme for every event that we've done since we, we were, started. We were
0: just talking about this. Tell me about this no theme thing.
1: Yeah. So when we so when we started looking at it, we had a bunch of theme ideas um we had our ideas were like bare naked ideas or unplugged or the studio sessions uh and you know we thought about doing it as uh, as unplugged. That was certainly a popular one with the team. Uh, and then we thought, well, it's not really technically unplugged because of course everybody's plugged in and (laughs) and we're live streaming and you know, we don't have to kind of explain that. Like how come it's called unplugged when it's not really unplugged and it's not a music thing where it's acoustic guitar or whatever. So we just thought, you know what, our whole thing is on stripping everything back this year and keeping it clean and simple and just the focus on, uh, on the ideas and that experience. So no theme.
0: See, so that, that is a theme. That's just yeah. very, very meta to not it's have like a theme. Clean skin. I, lo- I love it. Well, because we, there's, I had a, a conversation earlier today about, you know, uh, with Norberto from uh, TEDx Porto, where they actually announce next year's theme at the third session of the current year. And I just can't even hold the space in my head to have themes that close together. It's just really challenging for me. So I love the fact there isn't a theme uh, when, when I, we can I
1: just say on that topic, cause I course. feel that I'm the same as you and I'm so, so impressed. When people are like, you know, a year, like right. they've got this event going and they've got the next event going as well. Uh, and for us, it always takes a few months to recover <laughs> from an event. Of course. And one of the things that happened this year was we had our TEDx event, TEDx Christchurch last year. And then, of course, we had TEDx Scott Base in January. Right, right. So, in terms of getting started this year, we were. You know, it it was it definitely was a a bit later than we otherwise would. But we're actually we're really happy with where we got to. We feel really good about this. It feels nice. The right thing to do. And and I'm super excited to share the day with people.
0: You know, your theme is right, even if you don't have the theme, because that's a decision. When it, it just fits you like a glove, right? You just like, Oh, yes, that's the right one. Um, I am terrible at themes, but my wife has got a gift for it. And I'm not sure how that works out, but she'll, I don't know what it is. And for me, I can't even start thinking about what we're doing until there's a theme. It's just I'm weird that way. But as soon as I have it, I now I'm locked in. I get the set designer on the phone. I get the production designer. I was like, "How are we going to make a picture of the unthinkable?" I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> not my, not not my job. Not my job to even come up with that. But I I get that. What what part of you know you? I I get this sense that you're like a den mother with your team. I just get that vibe from you. That's just a very fun group of people. What what is it about? of all the various things that it takes to produce the event, what part do you like the most?
1: Um, hmm. I really love the speaker selection. Mm. I'm curious. Mm. yeah, and I love the speaker coaching, and I wish I had more time. <laughs> um, yeah, I really love working with the speakers. Um, we had a lady uh, who spoke at our event a couple years ago, Julia Rutledge. Uh She is a professor at the University of Canterbury, and she did um, research, randomized, double-blind, uh, peer-reviewed research that was published in the British Journal of Psychiatry, looking at the impact of micronutrients on depression, bipolar, ADHD, uh, like tremendous, tremendous research. And uh and she spoke at our event and I worked very closely with her on her talk um and she worked so hard on on creating this talk and where she got to uh for our event was a presentation of that material that uh she had never offered in public before wow um and that that talk has i want to say close to 700,000 views now. And it's, it's information that literally can change people's lives. Hmm. And I look at that and go, that is why we do what yeah, we do yeah. because through this platform, we can amplify somebody like that and support her to present her message yep. in such a way that it gets heard and amplified. Yeah, yep. Um, and I just love that. I just love that
0: as well as, In 2009, setting a map for yourself of being a world-class public speaker, making the world a better place... I would say check, check because you get to work with world class public speakers now. So that's, you know, one of the things we learn is we like to surround ourselves with the best, right? Let's, let's hang out with a really good posse, you know, really good people and being involved in a TEDx. So listener, if you are not involved in a TEDx, there's a team near you that would love, there's a, there's a you sized hole at that team that you would fit into perfectly. And you can go experience what this is is like because it is so much fun. What what advice would you give? Let's let's uh, tailor this question for someone who's not been involved, but they're listening to the show because for some reason they, they, someone told them how awesome it is. What advice would you give someone that would uh, notwithstanding what you said of how much work this is for them to go step up and, and be a part of a TEDx team?
1: Um. So I, it's a great question. What advice would I give them? Um, the first thing is just do it. Just, just do, do it. it. Just get Got involved. It. Yep, absolutely. Step up. Get involved. Um, be a part of it. Uh, the second thing is that one of the greatest things about being involved with this is it is an opportunity to really be accountable for yourself. So sometimes people in their jobs at work or whatever, you know, they have a very hierarchical structure, very kind of management heavy or whatever. And this is an opportunity for people to exercise I love uh, that. leadership. And, Mm. and because of that, it's often a tremendous gift for people. So that would be, that would be my main advice is take advantage of this opportunity to demonstrate your own leadership, your own accountability, your own skills, your own gifts and be part of a team that's all doing the same thing.
0: That's some wisdom there. Um, I, I know you've got to get going. So I have two quick questions for you. One is, um, I, in this show, in this little universe I live in, I'm able to take the red circle and turn it into a magic red carpet. And you and I can fly to any TEDx in the world. Now, you know how many people wanted to fly to Scott base. So you, you, okay. You did that. So where, <laughs> where are you and I flying?
1: I would love to go to TEDx Vilnius. I think they do such a great job, and I am so impressed with them all the time. And I would like to go to Lithuania. And
0: um, they are probably listening, and they're going to save a seat for you. My last question for you, quickly, and this is this is the one where I think there's the most value, which is what's the best hack? What's that thing that you can do that makes the event? surprisingly amazing, but you didn't spend a penny. It was an intentioned thing you did.
1: Um, Well, I'm going to give you a hack. I'm speaking directly to TEDx organizers here. Now, we all know that this event is not about making money. None of us makes money from it. We're not allowed to make money from it. Um, I know talking to TEDx organizers around the world that we all have the same kind of budget struggles. Um, So here is a hack. Um, offer if you, if, if you can, uh, especially if you, I think you need to have a TEDx 2 uh, level two license to be able to offer this. But if you have a level two license, offer a ticket category that is significantly more expensive than your other ticket categories and call it a donor ticket or a champion ticket. And what I have, been, we've offered this and we don't, sell a lot of them, you know, five to 10 of these. Um, but what I have been told by people is, you know, there are people who've come to me and they said, I would love to help you organize this if I had the bandwidth, but I don't. And I'm so grateful that I can buy this ticket and support you in this way. So it's a way of allowing almost individuals to sort of sponsor your event. And, um, you know, one of the things that I've learned from my sister who is an ex spend money with you, let them, (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> so you cut out just a second. So if someone wants to spend money with you, let them.
1: Yes, exactly. Oh,
0: I love it. Kyla, thank you so much. I love your energy. You're just, boy, you're just full of it. It's just fantastic. It just, it's coming across however many thousands of miles we are from one another, but I feel very close and uh, congratulations. Uh, the Listener, you can't see, but um, I'm looking through a window at a At Clock Tower, that um, is—is that pre—that's pre-earthquake, or is that post-earthquake? It's
1: pre-earthquake, and it's uh, it's, it's, still—it's—it's. Oh no, it's working now, but it just happens to be the same time for many (laughs) years. It was on the time of the of the earthquake.
0: Oh my gosh! Okay, thank you so much. Bye bye.
1: Thank you, Mark. Bye.
0: Thanks for listening to Hacking the Red Circle. Have an idea for a guest for the show? Or would you like to tell us your TEDx story? Just drop me a note in an email to mark at hackingtheredcircle.com. Please be sure to rate, write, and review the show on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast. Makes a huge difference. And share the show with your team as we seek to grow our audience around the world. Until next time, this is Mark Sylvester, your host for Hacking the Red Circle.